Today on Locked On Canadians, a terrible game, but what two good things came out of it? That's all coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everyone and welcome to episode 787 of Locked On Canadians. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and you can get started by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today. My name is Laura Sab, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And Scott, uh, our good friend Kyle Demetrius, formerly of Locked On Sharks, asks a very intriguing question: Is Rafael Harvey Pinard a legitimate tox- top top six top six <laughs> NHL player? <laughs> well, apparently he's toxic to opposing goaltenders and defenses. I don't think he's a full time top six forward because last I checked, he was shooting in the thirty percent range, and that's a percentage that goes down. However, unsustainable against who was the last team the Canadians played before this? Was it the Oilers game? No, it was the Blackhawks in the Blackhawks game in the pregame. They were talking about Raphael Harvey Pinard and Martin Biron brought up a very good point. He scores and gets the pucks into high danger areas. So he doesn't shoot a lot in those spots. His percentage is going to regress down. He's got seven goals now, six goals, seven goals doesn't matter. It's a lot. It's more than most people on the Canadians have. He's getting himself into those. He did it again on the power play tonight too. He let one guy come over and opened up some space. And he just drifted off of Jacob Slavin to find himself a shooting lane. Took that. And it was Armia to Hoffman back to Harvey Pinard in that high danger area. He's a perfectly cromulent middle six forward. I think on this team going forward right now, you just keep him with Nick Suzuki because Suzuki can do his little wizardry stuff and Josh Anderson could be handsome over there. And Harvey Pinard just gets into those dangerous spots like a prime Brendan Gallagher used to do. Only he's got a little bit more finesse in his game in doing so there's some smarts with it. I don't think he's a permanent top six fixture, which if he does become that one, you drafted him in the sixth round. Great. You developed it on an AHL deal. Great. You got him through two AHL seasons, one where he helped lead a team to a, almost a Calder Cup final. Great. Came up and scored seven goals on a bad team on an emergency recall. Even better. Don't know if he's top six permanently, but as of right now, you just leave him there for the rest of the year. Unless something massive comes in to replace him, you just leave him there. Just let him cook. He's the whole up let him cook meme right now. Only it's Nick Suzuki uh, instead of like Woody holding back Sora in this meme. So, and if you need exp- explaining for this, just DM me and I'll try and explain it to you that way. Um, so that was one of the good things that happened during the game. Uh, overall, Scott, not a great game, but the le- uh, legitimate, I was going to say legitimate being a Carolina contender, Carolina being a legitimate contender, uh, peek behind the curtain. I had on this heating blanket, heated blanket earlier, and I somewhat 
got a little drowsy and now I apparently don't know how to talk. Uh, Carolina is a legitimate contender. So it's not surprising that the Canadians were basically Carolina wiped the floor with them. But unfortunately, I don't like Carolina. I dislike the Hurricanes. So this was very upsetting. But I think there were a couple of good things. Like one thing that I did want to say, though, is that I felt really bad for Samuel Montambo because he not only was abandoned in some at some points of the game, like I feel like Chris Weidman was actively making his life more difficult. And I know it sounds absurd. I just I really did not understand what Chris Weidman was doing in tonight's game. And I find myself asking myself this question a lot during Canadians games is what what Chris Weidman is doing out there. Like, I think he's a genuinely likable guy. I just think he's having a really hard time being an NHL defenseman. So there are two things with that. One, this game was very, was close in terms of like what the score looked like in the back and forths in this. It was 2-2 going into the third period. And then the Canadians fell asleep for the opening five minutes, which Martin St. Louis did not enjoy at all. And they let in three goals. Carolina can do that. The Canadians cannot do that. It was close until it wasn't, which is how good teams separate themselves from the rest. Um, As for Weidman, I feel bad picking on him because he hasn't played a lot with other people in the lineup, but he didn't have a good time in front of the net tonight. He didn't handle imposing rushes well. He didn't handle his reads well. And the hardest part about this is that there is not a direct action that fixes this. Joel Edmondson is not on the trip with the team right now. He's not good to go. Arbor Jacki is not good to go. Caden Gooley is not good to go. And in the and now, a- <laughs> Justin uh, Barron might not be good to go either. And that's the other issue is that Justin Barron took a dirty cross check. And yes, it was a dirty cross check. Carolina Hurricanes fans, please stop filling your diapers in my mentions. I don't care. Came back to the game and then left late in the third period there. It might have been precautionary. I don't know. But the options are getting thin again. You have Madison Bowie, who is, you know, your replacement level player, below replacement level player. You have Corey Schooneman, who is your replacement level player. Matthias Norlinder, who is unproven at the NHL level. And you have William Trudeau and Nicholas Baudin, who have not played a lot at the NHL. William Trudeau hasn't played at all at the NHL level. He is an unexpected current entry level deal for the Canadians. The options are thin, and I do not see one in there that I go, perfectly fine replacement. Losing Baron Hurts and having to play Weidman more doesn't help. It's uh, The injuries are absolutely just torching the Canadians here. I do think Nicola Baudin might be their option. He earned it earlier in the year, but he's coming off of injury of his own. So I can't help but think they might just be like, we're going to call it Madison Bowie play him five minutes a night on that third pair. Let the young guys cook with the rocket this weekend. But man, Toronto this weekend and Kirby doc missed this game due to non COVID illness. It's it's a, the road trip that was already going to be tough is starting off with like them driving the car into a skid of ice and crashing into a snowbank. Like it's not the start you're hoping for on Absolutely a very road trip. And this is the thing, too, is that, you know, people who are panicking about the draft pick can sort of feel rest assured that the Canadians have a really tough schedule coming up. I also don't think we should be panicking about the draft pick. There's like a third of the season left to go. We're, you know, 
on chilled, um, on se cave. But uh, I did want to mention Michael Pizzetta real quick before we move on to the mailbag. Michael Pizzetta with a wonderful goal. Yes. I mean, batted it up to himself, swats in the rebound. He's playing good hockey. Good to see after we talked about how maybe he could go on waivers to make room for somebody. (laughs) He's doing what he can to stick around, and I appreciate that from him. And he's giving the effort that we saw last year. Right. That's all I ask is have that effort. Exactly. And and that was it. He was one of the few bright spots last year. So it could be that they're heading into a skid with, you know, what with like no, they had no forwards, they have no defensemen, everybody's injured, and now they're heading into this really tough schedule. So maybe Michael Pozzetta can be the bright spot in this, you know, in this, the rest of the season. In the meantime, the bright spot in the rest of this episode is the mailbag questions that you have sent us. And those are coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat and you want it to be healthy, you have to try a Built Bar. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And they taste so, so good that you can't even imagine that they have four grams of sugar only and 130 calories and they've got 17 grams of protein you can use them as a pick-me-up you can use them to fuel your workouts you know i use them as an on-the-go breakfast when i haven't been able to get it together in the morning and you'll be able to find them at walmart or sam's club and you can also get them online all you need to do is go to builtbar.com and you can use our promo code locked on 15 and you can get 15 percent off your order that is builtbar.com and the promo code is locked on 15 and you can get 15% off your order. And I think now it is time for our mailbag questions and we've got a whole wealth of them. Uh, apologies for that little uh, sound snafu there. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're having a great one. This is a professional podcast, everybody. Um, we've got a question from, this was after our last mailbag, uh, and it's from Mark K on YouTube. Could you guys give me your future lineup in say two years when we have prospects like Farrell, Hudson, Mayu, Hua, etc. with the team? So let's say two years from now, this is a question we get a lot. Actually, a lot of people will be like, predict which, which rookies will be on the, on the team, you know, in 2024. So what are our thoughts, Scott? I am currently writing as feverishly as I can to put a lineup together here because I didn't do this during the game, which is um, on me a little bit. But uh, as of right now in the top six, I have Caulfield, Suzuki, Farrell as the top line. Um, I like and it. Then on the second line, I have Harvey, Pinard, Doc, and Anderson. I think Anderson may still be here. In two years' on the third line, I have Beck, Wa, Yelonen. And on the fourth line, doesn't matter. Figure it out. Um, <laughs> Jake Evans. Yeah, uh, it'll, it'd probably be Evans. And then, you know, guy, guy. It, it like, I I realize I don't have Slefkovsky in this lineup either. I'm going to cross out Josh Anderson and assume he got traded. I'm going to put Slefkovsky there because I'm a good person. <laughs> and um, I cannot figure out who the goalie is going to be. Oh, God, I have to do defense too. Oh, 
I'm not even going to bother trying to figure out the defense at this point. I could tell you okay. two names that are going to be, or three names that are going to be here. Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, and Mike Matheson. Outside of that, couldn't tell you anybody else. Okay, but here's the thing. Mark specifically mentions Hudson and Mayu. I think they would still, two years from now, they would still probably not be full-time on the team. Hudson might be depending on how his defensive game progresses and Mayu may be the same way. They both have high offensive upside that a team that struggled with the power play. I can see the Canadians doing this. The hard part is, can you find a partner to work Lane Hudson? I think will need less sheltering since he tends to have a, a higher IQ when he's thinking the game, whereas Mayu is a more powerful shooter tend to be a little bit more direct, a Josh Anderson type player versus a Nick Suzuki type player in the way they create. And I wonder if Caden Gooley is a guy that they pair with a Lane Hudson there, or if it's going to be a Arbor Jack eye and Lane Hudson pairing Jack. I can be the more stable stay at home guy who can still rush the puck. Hudson can be that outlet pass there. My you, I think is going to need a year, at least in the AHL. He's going to he's going to shoot hard. He's going to put up points that way. It's just working on the little finesses in his game. And as for goaltenders, you got to hope Caden Primo is ready at that point. I think they're going to look into the goaltending market, especially in this upcoming draft a little bit, if they don't trade for like an Eric Portillo or somehow Devin Levi and add them. I think Samuel Montembeau will still be around too. I think Montembeau is going to be here until – either Primo proves he is or isn't ready because he's got a three-year deal or they land one of the big fish somehow. Uh, and I think that's what it's going to look like. This also doesn't include Mashar. It doesn't include Riley Kidney who may need AHL time. This isn't going to, this doesn't include Luke Tuck right now because there's some guys that are going to need a little AHL time there. For all we know, Slavkovsky could be in the AHL at some point too. There's a lot of bodies. There's a lot, a lot of bodies to make work in here. Just not right now. <laughs> there yeah. are bodies. It's just not today. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing is it's like it leads to a lot of questions is you can have it's great to have all these pieces. It's fantastic. Sooner or later, you got to find somewhere to play them or you have to trade them and get assets back. That's just kind of how things work. Like we have Harvey Pinard in the top six right now because he's playing in a top six role and it's thriving right now. He could be playing on the fourth line on this team next to Jake Evans. If the other skilled guys takes those step skill guys, like he's not good at scoring goals. If those other prospects leapfrog him and take that step. Plus where do you do if they get Connor Bedard? Where does he fit into all of this? It's there's a lot of moving pieces here and Kent Hughes now has to find that balance. And yes, this is two years down the road, hypothetically down the road. Names and bodies can move around. This guy could be on the wing. This guy could have slowed down his development. This guy didn't actually make it. Based off of what we know now, if all these prospects hit their ceiling, it looks like a great lineup, but it's there's a lot of juggling that's going to happen here. Paul Branshaw asks, if he were covering the Flames rather than the Habs, would Scort Malta be known as Scorch Stackla. We'd have to ask our friends at the Scorch Stack, subscribe to Scorch Stack right now, or Scorch will burn down your house, uh, what their thoughts are on this. Um, it, is not my, uh, it is not my job to tell the Scorchies what my name would or would not be, but I would be fully honored if that were my name while covering the Flames, to be very honest with you. 
I think that would be a great name for you. Uh, as for us, we have one more segment full of mailbag questions coming up in just one moment. Here we go. Our friend Christiane P asks, what is the likelihood that Pujarvi comes to Montreal? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like we, we have a segment on Yessi Pujarvi once a week. Um, the Oilers today mentioned that in practice, Kair Yamamoto is coming back. Yessi Pujarvi was absent from practice. He wasn't sick and he wasn't on waivers. We don't oh, know where there's conversations going on. There are rumblings or I am hearing things or he is literally loading a U-Haul destined for Montreal. Uh, <laughs> I look at it this way is that he's going somewhere. Either he's getting traded tomorrow or he's getting traded by the deadline. There's been so much smoke around this. And I know people don't like to listen to Mark Spector for a lot of reasons, it's not just him. Everything has been rumbling towards Pujarvi's time in Edmonton is over. His time is over. They probably won't qualify him even if they keep him this year. And it's it's such a weird space that it's like, if you're Jesse Pujarvi, why would you want to stay? It's like, have they just not found someone who wants him? or Because they're asking prices like a fourth round pick at this point. The Rangers, you know, are in a similar spot with Vitaly Kratsov, who is like, they were like, the thing is they want to get as high a pick as possible. His value is not a first round pick anymore. It hasn't been in several years. You're lucky if you get a third round pick, mid round pick for a guy like him. Same for Pugliarvi. I don't know if it's going to be the Habs. I hope it's the Habs because he seems like the kind of Kirby Doc mold fit that they're looking for. But I'm not going to be surprised if it's Seattle, if it's like the Sabres who are adding pieces to upgrade for a playoff push. It, it's it's it could be anybody because I think there's a lot of teams that could use a Yessi Pujarvi and probably figure out how to actually use him properly as opposed to whatever the hell it is the Oilers are doing with him right now. So we've got another trade related question from Paul G on Twitter, uh, not on Twitter, sorry, on YouTube. Uh, what? known okay so this one was sort of a um it could be the next mailbag or it could be the one leading up to the trade deadline so we could revisit this as the weeks go on until march 3rd um what known montreal canadians trade makes the most sense and what rumored montreal trade makes the least sense so i don't know that we can say that puyarvi to montreal is known but i'm assuming that uh paul is asking about speculated trades as well I think the biggest one is that Joel Edmondson going somewhere has been the biggest one. Sean Monaghan, there hasn't been a destination really named. A Mike Hoffman, there's not been a destination named. According to Pierre Lebrun, there's no interest in Jonathan Drouin whatsoever. There's limited interest in Evgeny Dodonov. If teams miss on a target, they're going to come back to Kent Hughes on the trade deadline. Per Pierre Lebrun, that he said that on the broadcast tonight on the panel. Joel Edmonton is the name that keeps coming up, though. Whether it be to Edmonton or other teams, his is the name that keeps coming up, even with his injury right now. Monaghan hasn't been given a direction. Maybe uh, Colorado, I believe, but Joel Edmondson has been like directly named as like of interest to the Oilers. 
And I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Josh Anderson to like New Jersey, I think is a weird one because the Cavs, I think would want Alexander Holtz back, which yes, please. I, there's a lot of teams that I don't see why they would take on a four year contract, especially now that the cap might not rise as much because of what's going on with Bally sports and diamond entertainment and everything. The cap might not raise as much as the league thought since one of their broadcast partners is like, oh, we're just going to go ahead and default on this because we can't pay this right now. Uh, Anything with Anderson doesn't make a lot of sense to me right now. I also think there being no interest in Jonathan Drouin is kind of nonsense unless people really still are, you know, sour about how his time in Tampa ended, which I say, get over it. You let Jake Vertanen back in the league. So I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I also think that some of the stuff, because like Pierre Lebrun is very well connected, right? I think it's possible that people are saying things to Pierre Lebrun because they want to influence other GMs, right? That is what he's there for. um, So that's definitely something where, you know, like I trust the info that he puts out there but I don't trust the people that give him the info that, <laughs> that uh, he puts out there. Um, we've got our friend Jeff the Red has some great um, uh, some great questions. What's your dream trade for the de- deadline? And what is your nightmare trade for the deadline? And oh, we can't man. be like Connor McDavid for a bag of pucks. Like it has to be like a legit trade. So, like, my nightmare trade, honestly, my nightmare trade is for the Canadians to take on salary beyond this year. I, I think I agree with that. Like, Milan Lucic, I believe, is UFA. Yeah. And so, like, the Flames and Canadians have been linked on Josh Anderson. I don't see the Flames trading a third first-round pick to the Canadians inside a year and a half. If they do, they're absolutely out of their mind. And that's just poor asset management. Uh, so it'll be like, a prospect, and then the Canadians will have to take Lucic. Going to need some good prospects in there then to take on Milan Lucic's contract. Sean Monahan is at least a useful hockey player still. Milan Lucic has not been a useful hockey player in half a decade, I'm pretty sure. I also just don't I, like him. I mean, if with Arbor Jack I out, I guess if they want to keep young guys protected, which I don't buy for a minute at least if he's sitting in the box, the team will get better with him not playing on the ice. And it'd also be very weird seeing him in a Canadian's uniform. So I think my dream trade would be like, I'd love to get like Alexander Holtz and like a first round pick out of New Jersey. I don't see it happening. Calgary was another option before I sat back and thought, there's no way they're going to give us a third first round pick. Are they? They can't be that crazy. LA seems like a good one too. Um, an Alex Turcott, a uh, someone like that, plus a first round pick. And, you know, moving someone out that way, Joel Edmondson, maybe because, you know, Mark Bergevin loves his other guys. My nightmare trade thing is not so much. It's not a trade. It's that they do nothing at all. And all these guys who are UFA, they don't get any assets whatsoever. That's my biggest fear here. I don't want it to be, there's so many guys who are hurt, they can't trade bodies now. Like they actually can't ship things out because teams are not willing to send 
an NHL player back or something along those lines. My big fear is that they don't do anything and just let all these UFAs kind of coast and walk out the door and get nothing, even if it's, you know, mid-round picks. Because load up the war chest, Kent, you got a lot of work to still do, so... So Jeff the Red has another question. Is an outdoor game feasible in Montreal? So here's the thing I'm going to say is that I do not consider the Olympic Stadium an outdoor stadium venue. I also do not consider it a viable venue. Here's what I really, really want. I want for their all those baseball stadium proposals to finally take shape. And then I want to see a hockey game in said baseball stadium. Yeah, uh, the Big O is falling apart for one thing. Uh, and as much as we wish for, you know, opposing players to suffer misfortune, a chunk of cinder block falling on them is not what we had in mind. We want them to, like, step on, step a, Lego on a Lego or right? stub their toe or eat bad gas station sushi and have to poop a whole lot. Like, that's <laughs> that's the kind of misfortune we mean. The Big O is legitimately kind of dangerous and falling apart. And the NHL would be like, absolutely not. There are two other options. There's Percival Molson Stadium, which I believe can hold up to 38,000, I think. No, um, it's less than that. Less than And then Stad Saputo, which I believe is a little ha- I think it's 20-something, and it can be expanded to 40-something. And that's but with temporary is, yeah. risers, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the temporary risers. And just think about, like, the FIFA World Cup, like, refused to, you know? Yeah, and that's... So. And- <laughs> And like Stad Saputo is a soccer stadium, but also a little over 10 grand, 10, 11 grand it's, in terms. It's, it's not a big stadium. Big. Yeah, yeah, it no, is an like MLS a, stadium, so it is good, but it's not what the NHL wants. When the NHL it's does a great outdoor time, when NHL does outdoor games, they want 60K plus. They want heft. Yeah, that's why they play it in NFL stadiums and college football stadiums because they're made for 60,000 to 110,000 people. They want to pack people in and Montreal being set up the way that it is. They don't have like an area that can erect a temporary stadium and nor are they going to do that because the project will get delayed for 37 years and never finish under 12 different mayors. I get it. I want to see it because I think Montreal should host an outdoor game. They don't have the infrastructure to do what the NHL currently wants, unfortunately. And they could host an AHL outdoor game. Not an NHL one, though. I, like, I would love to have one. But we don't have... And this, this is the thing. It's like, if you had a baseball stadium and it wasn't in those numbers, it wasn't like 70,000. If, if we had one of the quote-unquote smaller baseball stadiums in, let's say, let's say the Major League Baseball, I think the NHL would still host an event here. I think they would still ha- allow us to have a stadium series. They might not ha- allow us to have a winter classic but they'd allow us to have a stadium series with like, let's say 40,000 people or whatever. I just, I really don't see it happening until we have a viable venue and the, the Olympic stadium is not a viable venue right now. It's not outdoor and it's falling apart. And if they clean it up, it's still not going to be an outdoor game. So that's just how I feel, which is, which makes me really sad because I love, I, I love my city and I would love to host a, an outdoor game here. Sorry, what did you look up? Did you find out how many people can sit at Percival Mosul Stadium? Because it's not a lot of people. No, I was looking up actually the big O. Um, on August 11th and 13th, 2023, Metallica is going to be returning to the Olympic Stadium, which they usually pack in around fifty to 60,000. Looking on Wikipedia, it says the Olympic Stadium 
uh, permanent without additional pieces holds 56,000 people uh, for uh, other games. Their, att- their record attendance was for Pink Floyd in 1977 was 78,000. So I could see them doing it, but if they're going to do it, they got to really fix it up before they pitch it. The big O is your best chance to have an outdoor. It'll be like that one in Vancouver where Roberto Luongo didn't get to play because John Tortorella is a jerk. Like, Oh, I forgot about that. Canucks fans try to forget about that too. Unfortunately, it's that, that is Montreal's best option. And it's not even really an outdoor venue. They it's hard to do because of the way Montreal is set up. Unfortunately. I know. I yeah, and that's you that's live there. Thing. I don't have to tell you that you live there. Like no, that was me lamenting the fact that I'm probably not going to see it in my lifetime. Uh, is all. Uh, all right, we've got a couple more questions. One is from Paul Brand Show. Is metal actually the result of an unholy coupling of gritty and Smurfette? Uh, no, I I'm think he's just an unholy there. abomination created by the Habs messing too much with science and God. Yeah, I think that's that's accurate. And then finally, so this is a question from Casey our friend. Um, and I couldn't tell because the qu- this question word for word is if you could go back in time, which era would you go to and why? And I don't know if this is specific to the Habs era or it's because spe- obviously you want to see the nine- 1976, 90- 1977, or is it the 1977, 1978? Pick, the- the se- pick a Habs team from the 70s, the 70s and it's got 30,000 Hall of Famers on it. Like you yeah. can't go wrong one way or the other. Yeah. So if it's Habs related, that's the era I would want to go back to. Um, and then if it's not Habs related, I would love to go back to the 20s because people had just come out of war and pandemic and were really partying and the fashion as well. That's what that's that's where I would go to. I don't know about the 20s because it doesn't end well, uh, all things considered, which weird how we're living in that time again. I don't think I would go back in a different time because I think I kind of enjoy it the way it is now. Like, I do wish I could see older Montreal before it got really commercialized and see some of, like, the real old history in the city from, uh, like, you see kind of walking through the old port and parts of Montreal there. And I do like that part of it. It It is nice to grab, you know, cold drink and just kind of walk through the old port and see the history there in parts. Like, you see it in Quebec City. Like, walking through Quebec City was great. I want to... I just don't know what era that is in Montreal because I am not from Montreal, obviously. I live in Western New York, for God's sakes, which any era might not be better, but who it all depends on who you ask. I think my answer probably would still be the 70s, though, just because the height of the Canadians, I feel like, would be where it's at. Uh, this is going to drive point. me crazy now. Is it the 76-77 or is it the 77-78 Canadians? Best have team ever. 1976, 1977. They lost eight total games. I was like the first I keep getting confused now. Um, Every time I say something, I second guess myself. Uh, But I'm not going to second guess myself about the fact that we are out of time on this podcast. Thank you for your mailbag questions. I really hope you enjoyed this, even though I was basically consumed by a heated blanket, as Scott said. 
Um, and uh, we will talk to you next week with our three up and three down. So don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. If you want to leave a mailback question in the YouTube comments, please write mailback question at the beginning of it so we can ask it on the show. You can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We'd love to receive questions there or musings or thoughts or pictures of your dogs uh, or cats. We love that. Um, uh, and also you can obviously find us on Twitter at Scott Matla and at the active stick. Thank you so much for listening. Three up three down is Monday.